0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Thank you for joining us for part three of our Roman series. And for the last two weeks, Trent has done an amazing job of unpacking this profound letter of Romans contained in the Bible. And uh, if you are new to this whole Christian thing, or if you're checking out God, then this series is great, because you will be able to get a snapshot of what the Christian life is supposed to be about. And if you are a Christ follower, then this series has the dramatic ability to change your relationship with God. Now, for the last two weeks, we focused on a few things, and let me kind of review a few of the things that we've learned. In the first week, we learned that Paul... Uh, who was responsible for creating most of the first churches uh, after Christ's death uh, in the Roman Empire. And he was also the person who wrote most of the letters in the New Testament. So we learned a lot about him. And what we learned is that Paul wrote this letter to the Romans And he wrote it to these new Christ followers to give them a snapshot of what the Christian life is supposed to be about. And in the first chapter of Romans, what we learned is that Paul lays the groundwork uh, to let us all know that everyone can have a right standing with God if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And then last week, uh, we learned more of just how good this news is. And first, we examined the bad news. And what we learned is that we all have sinned and that our sin, no matter big or small, um, separates us From God and last week Trent brought in some brownies and they were uh, a little contaminated with uh, some dog poop if you remember that yeah maybe you thought you'd never see dog poop in church but you did just now but anyways um, the point he was trying to make with that is just like a little bit of dog poop uh, contaminated those brownies a little bit of sin contaminates us and God tells us that our sin demands death But here's the good news, okay? The good news is that God took that death penalty upon himself for us. That's why Jesus died. He gave his life so that we could receive life when we ask him. And so if you missed the two messages from the last two weeks, I really encourage you go onto our website and check out our website and listen to them or go to our iTunes account and listen to our iTunes account from there as well. And so today, we are focusing on Romans chapter 7 and 8. Now, uh, let me ask you a little question here, okay? By a raise of hands, how many of you would consider yourself, for the most part, a rule follower? Come on, don't be shy. All right, I know we've got a lot in the room. All right, if you're a rebel, just boo at them, okay? You know, they follow the rules all the time, right? You know? So by a raise of hands, how many of you are rebels? Come on, just admit it. Yeah, yeah, we've got some rebels in the audience here. Awesome. All right, rule followers, boo at them. Oh, there, hey, there we go. All right. Well, anyways, I grew up being a rule follower, okay, uh, for my life. And here's the problem with us rule followers. We think if we just try hard enough, we can follow all the rules. And here's what happened. When I took that mindset into my relationship with God... I found out that it wasn't a good thing in my relationship with him after becoming a Christ follower. So there's all these things that he says for us to do and I would try to follow all these things that he says for us to do and what I found was several things. The first was I would find out, okay, yeah, it's a good thing to read your Bible so I would try and try and try and read my Bible but yet I failed. Or I would find out about some kind of sin that was going on in my life, and I would say, okay, I'm not going to do that again. And so I would try harder not to do that sin, try harder, and yet I failed. And so many times I tried many different things, and yet I could not follow him. And what happened was, on the inside, as I couldn't follow these things, I got discouraged in my walk with God. And ultimately, what I found was that there were a lot of things in my life that were not so good. There were a lot of things that were wrong in my life when I compared my life to God's law or to God's rules as well. Now, I have another question for you. How many of you, by a raise of hands, would say that the Christian life is hard? Yeah, be honest, it is, it is. In fact, the Christian life is impossible, okay? You heard me correctly. It's impossible. The Christian life is impossible. We can't do it. We can't try hard enough to follow all the rules. For instance, many of us, after we become a Christ follower, we all of a sudden experience some successes, some pretty easy successes at first. All of a sudden, maybe some of you have experienced this. Maybe some of you uh, all of a sudden stop getting so mad, and everybody's like, wow, he's not so mad anymore. Or maybe some of you stop kicking the dog, you know, and the wife is happy that you've stopped kicking the dog, you know, but now you yell at it instead. Or some of you start stop cussing, and it's like, that's good, but it's only around the little ones or something like that, you know? And so we all of a sudden have these successes, but then all of a sudden we hit this wall. And when we hit this wall, we feel an urge to go to church. And when we go to church, we start to hear, and we think we start to hear from God, and all of a sudden God tells us something about in our lives that we need to change, and we're like, oh, we don't know if we can do that. We're not sure if we can really, you know, give that thing up or something. And so we say, well, we're going to try, Right. We'll give it a shot for a week. And so a week goes by and we're doing pretty good at it. And then we're like, well, let's do another week. And another week goes by and all of a sudden some stresses in life come in and we fail. And so we get a little discouraged, but then all of a sudden we say, well, let's try it again. So we try it again and a week does, goes by and it doesn't go completely by and we fail again. And we say, well, we're going to try. And the harder that we try, the easier we find that we fail. And all of a sudden we get discouraged. We get discouraged with God. We say, God, why aren't you helping us in this issue? And then what makes things uh, even more complex is as we're trying to wrestle with this one issue within our lives, then several other issues come up in our lives. So say, God, we can't do this, you know? I was trying to work just on this one issue, and now I've got several different issues, and to make matters even worse, now I see some of these Christ followers, and it just seems like they've got their act together. What is the problem with me? What is going on within my life? Why can't I do it? And I'm just ready to check out from this whole Christian thing and ready to say, adios, baby. I don't need this thing. It's just too hard. I can't follow the rules any longer. I've experienced that. You've experienced that, you know? We've all experienced that. And here's what might surprise you: that the writer of Romans, Paul himself, Mr. like perfect Christian, Mr. wrote one-third of the New Testament, also struggled as well. And he shares this struggle in the letter of Romans to these new Christ followers in Romans. And he wants us not to give up. And he wants us to know about this struggle because he wants us to know that God doesn't want us to give up. And it is possible to live the impossible life. So that's where we're heading today. It's going to be very interesting. So if you have a Bible with you, turn to Romans chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to go get a Bible in the back at all. That's totally fine. And we are going to start out in verse 14 on page 862 in your Bibles. Now, before we hear from Paul, there's a few things that we should know about before we jump in and know where he's coming from. Remember, before Paul becomes a Christ follower, he was one of the top Jewish religious leaders of the day. Okay, He was the man, and he knew everything about the law. And back then, the Jewish people believed if you followed the law perfectly, you could have a right standing with God. And here's what the law is. The law is the 10 commandments. You know the 10 commandments. You know, know, don't have a God before me, you shall not murder. You know, it's that guy, Charlton Heston, who comes on you know, once a year during Easter and stuff, the 10 commandments and everything like that. So it's the 10 commandments plus 622 other commandments contained within the Old Testament as well. That's what makes up the law. And if you had asked Paul, before becoming a Christ follower, if he could follow the law perfectly, he would say yes. But deep down, he knew that he couldn't. And he knew that his standing with God was in question because he knew that nobody could keep the law so perfect to be able to have a right standing with God. And see, the law isn't bad. The law just shows us that there's something wrong inside of us and that we need a savior. So after Jesus comes to Paul and offers him salvation through faith, Paul realizes that's the key. It's not what I do. We can't do these things to have salvation. We have to be given salvation from God, a right standing with him. And so Paul, after becoming a Christ follower, all of a sudden, you know, out of old habit, you know, we all have our little old habits that kind of sneak up. Well, he tries to continue to follow God in this relationship, this new relationship, by following the law. And he finds out that there's a struggle or that there's an issue in trying to follow God in a relationship with still trying to follow the law. And that's what he wants to share with us, and that's what he's sharing with these Roman Christ followers as well. So let's jump into verse 14 And see what he says to these Roman Christ followers and to us as well. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Now I'm sure at this moment, these guys who are reading this letter, these Christ followers are saying like, Paul, wait a second, what did you just say? You said you're a slave to sin, Hey, back on the other page over here of your letter, you kind of said that you know we are no longer enslaved to sin. You have no longer a debt to be paid. Christ has freed you from your slave. He's given you salvation. What are you talking about? What's going on? Why are you struggling with sin still? And so Paul continues, and let's see what he says. In verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself. There's the answer. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. If I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. So I think some of these Romans are starting to say, Paul, what are you saying? You know what to do. You know what is right, but yet you do what is wrong. You know. That doesn't make sense you're like you're the man you're the man who we've heard that started all these you know churches amongst the roman empire what's going on here what are you trying to say and we know we know what he's trying to say we experience this all the time we know what's right in our minds we know what we're supposed to do but yet we don't do it some of us we know that we're supposed to treat our spouse very kindly but yet we chew them out don't we you know some of us we know that we are not supposed to be in a certain relationship. But what happens? We get in that certain relationship. Or some of us, we know that we're not supposed to lie in a certain uh, place or a certain time or something and it's coming up and we know we're not gonna lie, we're not gonna lie, we're gonna tell the truth, you know, no matter what. And what do we do? We lie. So what is that? Where does that come from, you know? Why is it that we know what's right, but yet we do what is wrong? Where does that come from? And so Paul answers that question for us. Um, In verse 18, he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not the really one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Now let's pause there, because it sounds like Paul's kind of you know, shifting responsibility. It sounds like he's putting some blame on the sin nature, but that's not what he's doing. Okay, He's trying to explain something and explain what's going on within us and what's going on within him as well. So let's start with unpacking, because there's a lot of unpacking to do with what is the sin nature. See, before you became a Christ follower, you were under the control of sin, Okay, and so what is the sin nature? Let me read you a definition of the sin nature. The sin nature is in us at birth, and it has the capacity to do all things good or bad that in no way can qualify us to God's standard of perfection. Let me read that again. The sin nature is in us at birth, and it has the capacity to do all things good or bad that in no way can qualify us to God's standard of perfection. So there are some things that we do that are good, okay? Yeah, you see that happening every single day. But yet those good things, no matter how, try, how much we try to do good, cannot equal God's perfection, And as we try to do something good, something bad happens, or all of a sudden we give up and we try to do something else and we're doing bad, 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 or we're sinning and stuff like that. And so what God is saying, again, is, hey, we've all sinned. And you and I see this. We see this every day. For instance, some of us, you know, we have children, okay? We don't teach them to do anything wrong, right? You know? I have a son who's uh, two, His name is Trevor. And uh, right before he does something that he's not supposed to do, he gives a certain signal. You know what that signal is, right? He just all of a sudden turns around and looks at you, right? And he's just looking at you. And you know that look, right? You know what he's about to do. He's about to touch something he's not supposed to touch. He's about to like, you know, take something from his sissy or something like that. And so all of a sudden I shake my head no, even before he does it, or I say no to him. And what does he do? He does it, you know? He all of a sudden does it. My children do it, your children do it, all the children across the world do it. The sin nature is innately in us, okay? We don't have to try, it's in us. And that's what Paul wants us to understand. But he also wants us to understand something else. He also wants us to understand that there's a new nature that we're given when we become Christ's followers. And so, This is going to sound a little weird too, but not only does he give us a new nature, but he gives us the Holy Spirit who resides in us. And also Jesus resides in us as well. Okay, I know that sounds weird, but he does it. He's God, all right? Now, here's a definition of the new nature. The new nature is God giving a Christ follower a right standing with God. We didn't earn it. All of a sudden, he gives us this right standing with God. He gives us also a new mind that he might know God, a new heart that he may love God, and a new will that he may obey God. So here's what happens. You've got these two natures within you, and you want to follow God. You know what's right, but yet you don't do it at times, and you allow the sin nature to win out rather than the new nature that's in us. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm telling you you've got two different personalities in you, and Paul doesn't want you to think that you have two different personalities in you as well. So let me give you an example to kind of clear that up, okay? Let's say that there's a guy who's from New York, and 20 years ago, he lived in New York, okay? Then he moves his way down to Palm Coast, all right? So maybe 10 years later, he moves to Palm Coast or something like that. He's still the same person. But some of the behaviors that he does today, 20 years later, are not the same behaviors that he did 20 years ago. But some of the influences that he picked up back then still affect him, okay? For some reason, and I don't know why, he has a reason to cheer for the Yankees, even though he doesn't cheer for the Yankees anymore, okay? But yet, every once in a while, he just is like, go New York, you know? And uh, he doesn't watch the games anymore. And so that's what happens as with our sin nature. It still is there and it still can influence us as well. And so basically, this is the truth that we need to know. Although we are dominated by the new nature that God gives us, there is still the ability to listen to the sin nature that's in us as well. So let me repeat that again. Although we are dominated, dominated by the new nature that God put in us, we still have the ability to pay attention to the sin nature that's in us as well. And so that's what Paul would want us to know, and that's what we need to know. And when we live by the sin nature, we are conscious of it. We know when we do wrong, okay? We know when we're supposed to do right. Right? And so it doesn't give us license to keep doing wrong. We should stop. And so how do we stop? Well, let's continue, all right? In verse 21, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. So this is Paul saying this is a principle, okay? I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. So I can just hear the Romans saying, okay, Paul, this is the third time that you've restated the same thing like three different times, okay, that you know what's right, but yet you do what is wrong. And what is your main point here, Paul? What are you trying to say? You've said this three times, and we know that the struggle must be a big struggle. So what's your point and Paul's point is simply this okay when we as Christ followers still try to follow the rules to be good enough we can't do it okay we can't control the sin nature just by following God's rules. We will fail every single time. So some of us, we don't want to hurt our spouse, but yet the monster from within comes out at times. You know We know that we shouldn't be in that relationship and that God doesn't want us to be in that relationship, but yet we jump into that relationship. We know that we shouldn't tell lies or something, but yet we still struggle with those lies and we'll continue to do it because that is the problem that's going on within us when we try to handle those things by saying, I'll just amp up. I won't do it anymore. I'll just, you know, get better at it or something like that. That's not what God would desire. And so listen to Paul's frustration, his distress over this. In verse 24, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by the sin and death? So here, Paul is so frustrated, Frustrated that he continues to do what is wrong even though he knows what is right as a Christ follower. And so he knows that this sin nature is a part of him. He knows that will be in him until he dies. So, what will it take to finally overcome this sin nature? And you know, when you get to that point where you've tried and tried and tried and you failed and failed enough, then you're ready for the answer? Well, here, Paul is about to give the answer because he knows that we've struggled and struggled and struggled with this. We all struggle with this. So now he's gonna give us the solution. So in verse 25, he says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So I know we've talked a lot about the sin nature, okay? But realize in comparison, to the new nature that God puts on us, it is way better than the sin nature, okay? The new nature dominates the sin nature and makes it look silly, okay? And God gives us his son, he gives us the Holy Spirit, he gives us uh, the mind, a new heart, a new will to do the things of God, so we have no excuse to continue to follow the sin nature, But we just have to learn how to walk by the new nature. So how do you walk by the new nature? And here's the answer of how you uh, walk by the new nature. It's Jesus. Just like you put your faith in Jesus in order to have a right standing, in order to be saved with God, every single day you put your faith in Jesus, You put your faith that he will help you to live the new life that he has given you. So how do you do that? So each day, you just pray to God. You start out your day. When you wake up, the very first thing that hits your mind, you just say to God, God, I know that I still have this sin nature within me. But I know by your scripture, by what you've said, your promises, that I do not have to live under its control anymore. And here's a cool verse in Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 talks a lot about this. Romans 6 says in verse 18, now you are free from the slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Now you are free from the slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. And so you say to God, God, I know that the sin nature can no longer control me. Today, I am putting myself under your control. I am putting myself under the control of the Holy Spirit who is in me. And today, with your help, I want to live the new life that you've given to me. And you know what happens when I've done that? When I do that each day, Here's what happens. The monster within me stays tamed, okay? If I don't start out my day praying that prayer, I'll walk out of the bedroom and I can bite off the head of my wife. I can bite off the heads of my kids. Just ask her. She's lived with me. Well, not lived with me. We've been married for 13 years, okay? She knows when I'm walking in the uh, old nature and when I'm walking in the new nature, okay? So each day when I do surrender to God, then my perspective on life changes that day. And instead of trying to be kind, I'm kind. Instead of trying to be patient, I'm patient. And when that monster that's still within tries to rear its ugly head up, all I have to do is recognize it and say, God, in that moment, I pray to him and I say, God, I don't have to listen to this sin nature. Instead, would you help me to live by the new life you've given me and I choose to do something different? And then you are tapping into the new life that he's giving to you. You're tapping into Jesus who is in you in that moment. So here's something that we need to do. We need to stop trying and start surrendering. And each day you need to wake up and acknowledge you have the sin nature within you, but you are putting your control of yourself under God's control. And in that moment, you, when you put God in control, you will begin to see the Holy Spirit work in your life. And this is how you will know that the Holy Spirit's working in your life. First of all, really know the Bible really, really well, okay? If you want to know if the Holy Spirit is guiding you, know Scripture really well. And here's what happens. When you start to read Scripture in the morning, all of a sudden a verse will pop up and you know that you need to do that verse at some point, go ahead and memorize it. And here's what will happen. During the day, when all of a sudden you're struggling with something, that verse will pop into your mind. And that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, stop trying. You're about to do something. You're trying to ramp up. You're trying to overcome something. You're going to try to manhandle something. You're going to try to take control. Don't do it. Here's that verse. Instead, turn to me in that moment. Some of us, when we get into a conflict and we know that, all right, I'm gonna just end this conflict, I'm gonna do something like I usually do, this is how you know I just handle conflict, in that moment, all of a sudden, instead of doing that, where you know where it leads, it doesn't lead any good, but yet you know you should do something different, instead, surrender to God. And in that moment, say, God, how would you want me to handle this conflict instead? So stop trying and start surrendering. And then sometimes, When you are about to like struggle with something and it's just gotten victory over you and victory over you, and in that moment you say, you know what? This isn't a big deal. This isn't a big deal. I'll just do this instead. I'll just do this instead. Stop trying. It hasn't been working. And start surrendering. And God may lead you to get some additional help in that moment. But in all of those moments, who is whispering those things in your ears? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that God has put in us. So start living by the new nature that dominates us rather than the sin nature. And the way that you keep the sin nature in balance or under control is simply doing every single day. You say, I'm going to stop trying and start surrendering. I'm going to start my day with saying, God, I acknowledge that there's a sin nature within me. And today, I don't have to live by it. Today, I'm going to live by your power. I'm putting myself under your control. And when you do that, you know what will happen? When you do that, you will start to see in your life over time that you are being controlled less by sin, and you will start sinning less. You won't become sinless. You won't become perfect. We'll never be perfect on this earth. But you are starting to warm up for eternity, where you will be perfect. We're no longer we are around sin and sin is gone for good. And you know what's cool as well? In the rest of chapter 8 of Romans, Paul writes to let us know that God in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this journey Continues to love us even while we mess up, continues to be there no matter what and no matter how bad we mess up as we're learning to do this within our lives. And so, would you stop, you know, would you start surrendering each day and stop trying? Would you become the person that He wants you to become? He's making you new, and He's in the process of that. Don't get frustrated. It's not something that you're going to achieve by tomorrow, okay? This is a lifetime of getting better at this. But God is with you always, and let him make you new. So let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you that you never give up on us. And God, you are so patient in the midst of our struggles of trying to learn how to live the way that you would have us to live. The Christian life, if we try to follow every single rule, is impossible, And God, you simply say to live it by faith. And faith each day means that we surrender to you and that we put ourselves under your control. And life is so much better, so much better when we do that. And so God, would we learn that? Would we know that? And would we allow you to make us new? In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you are here this morning. My name is Sarah, and I have a few announcements for you this morning. First of all, if you are a new guest with us this morning, we are so glad that you are here. Epic is a place, um, a safe place, where you can explore what it means to have a relationship with God, explore Christianity, get some of your questions answered. So we are glad that you are here. If you would like more information about Epic, you can swing by the Connection Center on your way out, and there's a brochure with more information and someone who could answer your questions as well. One way that we stay connected here at Epic and informed is through our Facebook page. And recently, we went through a switch on our Facebook page from an individual profile page to a fan page, which is more appropriate for an organization. And so if you've been having a hard time finding the page, if you go to our website, theepicchurch.com, click on the Facebook link, that will take you to our fan page, and then all you need to do is like the page, and then you'll be getting the updates. If you were already a friend of Epic previously on Facebook, you you already liked the page, it did it automatically for you when you switched over, so you will be receiving the updates automatically. On July 4th, Surge, our student ministry, is going to be having a float in the 4th of July Parade at Flagler Beach. And thanks so much to so many of you who have brought in candy already, and we're continuing to collect non-chocolate candy to give out at the parade. We want to be a great representation, a great light at the parade. So if you could help us, and today and next week, we're collecting candy. Next week is the final week. So if you could bring a bag of non-chocolate candy, that would be awesome. And at Epic, we talk a lot about giving of our time, our talents, and our resources, giving and serving, and giving financially as well to support what God is doing here and around the world. And one way that you can give this morning is through our giving boxes in the back of each section, and also online at theepicchurch.com. Well, this morning, we're continuing on in our series on Romans, and before Tim comes and shares the message, please check out this video.